You're listening to Episode 8 with your host, Megan Cameron. Welcome to How to Sweat Less, the podcast where we empower you with insight, inspiration, and humor on your journey to sweating less and loving yourself along the way. Hello, my friends, and welcome back. Today, it's going to be a little bit different in this episode. Today, I'm going to play a conversation that I had with Leah Davidson. Now, Leah Davidson is amazing. You've heard me talk before about how sweating is impacted by the nervous system and how befriending our nervous system or paying attention to our nervous system can really affect how much we are sweating. So Leah is an expert in the nervous system and in shifting your mindset. So to tell you just a little bit about her before we get started, she teaches a lot about regulating the nervous system. She's a certified life coach from the Life Coach School, like I am. And she's also a registered speech language pathologist. Now, here are just a few of the things that she specialized in. But over the years, she's added tools to her certification and training, such as forward-facing trauma-informed health and wellness coach. She's a forward-facing professional resilience coach and consultant, pain reprocessing therapy coach, revelation breathwork facilitator, EFT practitioner, embodied processing practitioner, and polyvagal informed performance coach. So she's got all the things that we would want to know about the nervous system and so much more. So without further ado, here's our conversation. All of it is around safety, right? Lots of people sweat because of this feeling safe. And what I found is that a lot of people who sweat carry around something when they go out, like leave the house. They have these I call them like safety blanket of yeah. objects, right? So they'll have deodorant they carry everywhere. Lots of people do without sweating. But like towels that they carry with them, sweat wipes, all these things. And I'd love to like see where our conversation goes with like how we, yeah, why they do that relating to the nervous system. And yeah, everything. relating to safety. Now I'll ask you a question. Do you think it's a good idea that they do that? Like, do you recommend that to your clients? Good question. Yes, until they have learned how to manage their safety in the nervous system. Yeah. So, because I find that one of the things I teach is it is like to build safety, it's not a fast thing. Agreed. And sometimes we do need to have that scaffolding. We do need to have that reminders. But there's a fine line because we don't want to get too dependent. So for example, if I have, you know, I talk about having an object of safety and I give this example of, I have this little blue ball. It's like this glass ball that I got years ago. I don't even know where, but I love the smoothness of it and the roundness. And sometimes when I'm super nervous, I'll have it like in my pocket And I can just reach into it and I roll it. And it's a reminder of all the tools that I have and the ways that I know how to be safe. So a reminder like, Leah, you're safe. Mm -hmm. Take a nice deep breath here. You know, make sure that you 
all the different things that for me fill my safety toolbox. So it's beneficial to have. It would turn to not be beneficial if I left the house without this little blue marble and I start, oh, I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'm not going to be able to go anywhere. I'm not going to be able to. So there's that fine line of the object brings me safety to then traveling, going somewhere without the object. I go into a full-blown panic. So that's why I was curious, like with your clients, do you recommend that? Because I can see there being a checklist you could almost have to remind yourself I'm totally safe and I have my towel and I have my deodorant and I have my wipes and I know to breathe and that's what I'm going to focus on versus getting into that huge panic. I can't leave the house without these things. If I go anywhere without them, then I'm a mess. I fall apart. And then it sort of borders on the not being helpful. Yes. And I'd love us to talk about that because I think a lot of people are in the, if I don't have these, then everything's ruined. Yeah. And is it, you know, it's also understanding some of these things are acting as placebos. That we we see all the time that there are certain things, and we see this when people are dealing with like chronic pain and chronic illness. Sometimes they'll be like, "Oh, if I have like a little peppermint before mm-hmm. I eat this, I don't get a stomach ache." Mm-hmm. Really? Not really, but it does serve a purpose. Like I'm not saying that the placebo is yeah very good. It's like the most researched, most powerful drug that we have out there. The placebo. But just understanding that a lot of things are placebo and it's not going to be the end of the world if we don't have something. Yes. Um, Yeah, I agree. And learning what to pair with the placebo. So my little blue marble, it's not my little blue marble. My little blue marble serves as a reminder of all these tools that I carry within me. Yes. And that's what I want to have access to. Yes. It's not the external. It's the internal and the external supporting the internal. Yeah. It just serves as a reminder. It serves as as a a cue for me, really. Yes. I love that. The other thing that I'd really like us to talk about or focus on a little bit is with my community, what you talked about. So lots of people don't like to talk about their sweating to other people. Yet they want people to have compassion. Right. And all of the things. Yet if you tell them, they are apt to maybe have more compassion. So you don't have Mm -hmm. to tell them, but it serves you and it serves them. So you might have heard me talk about this because as a speech pathologist, I work in the area of traumatic brain injury. Yes. This frequently comes up of, do I need to tell people I've been in an accident? I have the injury. Why do I have to tell people? What business is it of theirs? But I want them to be compassionate. And the way I usually offer to them is people will create stories no matter what. Whether you tell them or not tell them, they are going to be looking at you creating a story. You sharing and navigating, narrating that story to a certain degree can be helpful. Because they're going to be making it up. So if you don't want them to make up, like the story they make up could be a lot worse than what the actual story is. You have every right you don't owe to anybody. You don't have to share with them the story. You're not going to be able to control everybody's narrative, 
But some people find it empowering to say in a very neutral or a very empowered way, I've had this injury. This is what I need. This is what I help. And the majority of time when they do that, they are met with compassion and understanding and they feel better. When they don't share, often what happens is they get stuck later on with the story. They just thought I was stupid. They just didn't understand. They just made fun. And I'm like, you end up having to deal with all these imagined narratives when you could have just up front said, this is what's going on with me. A lot of people do feel, I don't, I don't owe anybody anything. You don't. Yeah. But what would help you? Yes. I know it would help me to walk into a situation and say, listen, I'm a bit of, I've had this experience, you know, something has happened in my life. I have this challenge. I'm a little bit. Even going into situations like saying to you, oh, I'm here today to do this interview. I'm a little bit anxious about doing the interview. I don't expect you to be saying to me like, well, what's wrong with you, weirdo? You're anxious. I expect then you're just like, oh, you know, oh, there's something to be anxious about. I'm very friendly. And we have sometimes we're leaving more room for compassion when we share with people. Yes. Yeah, I agree. It reminds me, I don't know if you saw that when Brooke had a person who was super sweaty come up onto the stage and she said, I'm really like, I'm super sweaty right now. And Brooke Mm -hmm. was like, why, first off, like, why are you, she didn't say these words exactly, but why are you telling us that you're sweaty? Like people feel like they need to tell us these things to make themselves feel better. You know, for a person who it's on their mind 24 seven, I think it's them wanting what you were saying, like, just like, this is normal for me. I want to let you know so that, yeah, like you can have a little more compassion and also not be like, what's wrong with you? People get that too. And I think that's the difference of being nervous system informed versus not nervous system informed. Mm. And somebody, like I said, you don't need to tell anybody anything. You get to do whatever you want to do, but you may want to, because what happens with our nervous system is we are looking for co-regulation. We are looking for feedback. We're looking for safety from somebody else. Yeah. And if you go into an environment and you share something with somebody, really what that is, is a bit of asking, am I safe with you? Yes. Now, I don't want to go against Brooke or say anything, but if I got up there and I said, I'm feeling really sweaty and the person said to me, why are you telling me that? Right away, I would be danger. This person is not a safe person. If somebody said to me, oh, you know what? Don't even worry about it. I totally sweat all the time too. Or you know what? It doesn't even notice it's normal to be overwhelmed. Let's just focus on something else. Like I, I don't even know half of what I said probably wouldn't be helpful, but just something to let you know, I hear you. Yeah. It sounds like you're, you're struggling with it. We don't have to worry about it, but I get why you would be concerned. That is a bid and you can take it or leave it. You can still say what you said to me, Leah, pushed me into danger. Yes. But really what that person is asking for, am I safe in your presence? And we have the opportunity to provide that safety to people by offering them understanding, validation, compassion, not necessarily validation for their story. Oh, your story is believable. I know the whole life coach thing, but validation for what you're feeling is real. Yes. Yes. Really real. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And I find a lot of 
people's thoughts with sweating is they're really concerned of what people will say to them when they're sweating. And that comes from, again, that safety perspective. And our goal as life coaches is to help them to feel safe within themselves that no matter what anybody says, you know you're safe. Yeah. Because safety, I mean, it's twofold. Primarily, all safety is created within you. And that's what we want to empower people. Like you can create your own safety. At the same time, we want to make sure that we are trying to create as safe environments as possible. So the people on the other side, as much as I know I'm responsible for my own safety, I want to be cognizant and aware and doing things that will invite as much safety that I can offer to you. Because there are things that I can do. And there's things that will push you into danger and things that will push you into safety. I can't guarantee that you're going to feel safe with me. Mm -hmm. But there are things that I can try to do to invite safety into our discussion. Language, mannerisms, the topics that we touch on, the compassion my gestures, my facial expressions, all these things, you can still feel not dangerous because it is up to you to create safety, but there's much that I can do to offer it. That's the importance of understanding the nervous system. You understand it from your perspective. You also understand that the other person has a nervous system. Yes. Their nervous system is responding all the time. Yes. I love that. Yeah. It it reminds me of, you know, how it's all about like we want to be equal, right? And that mm-hmm. we're trying to help everybody get on the same soapbox, start at the same spot, right? The, the physical ones, at least we can identify, but it's the the hidden stuff that people mm-hmm. don't identify. And they, they won't know unless you tell them, right? right. So, yeah. yeah. And then I also feel there's this bit of victimization, right? So if you don't tell them, then you can continue to play the victim. So. That's right. And a lot of people for, you know, what I also love about the nervous system is we do remove the shame and the blame because it's not a cognitive choice. You know, sometimes you see people get stuck in victimhood and it almost is like you're choosing to be a victim because if you didn't want to be a victim, you'd do something else. But it's really understanding that their nervous system is at a place where usually they're in sort of a a hypo state where it's the poor me, why me, that's the flavor of thoughts and emotions that happen when you are dysregulated. And so when when people are a victim or they act like a victim or they speak like a victim, it's usually because their nervous system is in this place where that flavor that they're putting out, telling them to just get out of it or change their thoughts, excuse me, or change their actions yeah, it's going to be very difficult to do unless they change their state, unless they change their physiological state, because your physiological state actually flavors all your thoughts, all your feelings, all your actions. It flavors everything that you do. So you're not going to be able to be like, all right, I'm all of a sudden going to be this confident and moving forward person while I'm still physiologically very shut down. Yes. So then in order to change that, that's where they need to feel safe. Is that? Yeah. 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 You need to. And and safety can feel dangerous when you've never had safety. Yeah. So that's why you have to like, it's like you dip your toe in safety. 
And then you'll probably come back. Like it's a very, the nervous system is a slow process. You have to be just committed to consistently. All right, I'm just going to dabble in it. I'm not going to expect massive, massive changes. And I'm not going to put pressure on myself because if we pressure the nervous system, what can happen is it rebounds and something goes wrong and it reinforces that. I don't want to get out of this zone where I'm at. The example I give, and I give it on my the podcast episode, Growing Capacity, is I talk about if you have a wardrobe of clothing that is all black. Yeah. So everything in your wardrobe is black. And one day you just decide, I want to, I'm going to have some color in my wardrobe. Yeah. And so you go shopping and you buy like lime green pants, fuchsia pink top, a blue hat a yellow purse, and you go out, Yes. chances are somebody's going to see you, oh, what's going on? Or you're going to see yourself in the mirror and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, what the heck did I do? You're going to quickly race back at home yes. and you're going to be like, I am never wearing color again. You're yes. going to put all those things away and you're going to continue dressing in black because yes. it was too much. Yes. It, it was too much for your system. Versus I want to start introducing color. So then I go out and I decide I'm going to get like some light pink, light blue, light, you know, green underwear. Yeah. And I'm going to start wearing the underwear underneath my back and nobody's going to see it, but I know I'm starting to wear color. And then maybe I'm going to get a couple of t-shirts and I'm going to wear them underneath like a sweater. And then maybe I'm going to shift out my pants and wear like blue jeans. Yeah. And then maybe I'm going to try wearing like a dark plaid and and slowly build up. And maybe I'm going to start wearing color with this certain friend, or when I go to this restaurant, or when I am in this activity. And over time, you slowly start introducing color. Eventually, you'll come to your wardrobe and you'll be like, wow, my wardrobe is filled with color. And you will have eased into it. And that's what your nervous system needs. You yeah. can't go dressed like a clown. Your nervous system is going to freak out. But what you can do is you can identify tiny little moments. Yeah. Of, okay. Can I feel safe here? Who do I feel safe with? Can I, can you just introduce these tiny little moments and these moments help you start to build that trust in yourself, help it start to feel like, okay, I can do this. I can do this for a little bit longer now, a little bit. And eventually you start to create a safer zone for yourself. A bit, I, I realized it. I see it in my coaching. And now that you said it, I'm like, okay. And I feel I've started off coaching with my mom, my friends, the people I feel safe with. Exactly. But I can build up this, yes, this capacity yeah. to go out there. Yeah. Yeah. You have to build the capacity. You yeah. cannot. And, and I think that's a mistake that many of us make. Yeah. Because we don't have the capacity, we think that we're not capable in future. No, it's just, I don't have the container. There's not enough room. I have to, even things like when we talk about manifesting things, manifestation falls in this. I want to manifest making like a million dollars every year. Yeah. Well, I don't have the capacity. Like my nervous system would not know what to do if I made a million dollars a year. I wouldn't know how to handle it. I'd have to have like how many clients, how many, it would just be too much for me. So I have to start with envisioning things that are like, I can still have big goals, 
But yeah. envisioning things that are within my reach and then moving and moving, growing my capacity over and over. That I think that is the biggest thing for the sweating community is that people's zone of capacity because it, it rings so true with all the things that I've heard from people. Yeah. And even with my coaching in my program, it's like, let's start off with if you want to start wearing colors, like wear them in your house, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And go you from can't. Yeah, yeah. You can't just go out there. And because what happens is you make it like it is uncomfortable. If you've never been in safety, yeah. it isn't comfortable. So you have to learn how to tolerate it. And, and we do that by like small, small movements. Yes. And finding out what their, like their zone is, right? So how would they find out what their zone is? Well, part of it is, is really starting to understand what that nervous system is. So learning what does safety look like? What does it, where are you normally? Are you somebody who is very activated? There's usually a bunch of characteristics. You find yourself, you know, defensive, you find yourself busy, you find yourself anxious, edgy, all those things indicate there's a lot more energy in your system. Or do you find yourself more on the lower side, sad, lonely, depressed, feeling more hopeless, more shut down? So then you're on that lower side. So I help people and I show them, okay, you sort of have to get a visual and the details of what goes on in your body, in your thoughts, in your emotions, your actions, what kind of food do you like, music do you like when you're in these different zones? And so you you start understanding and building awareness of what your actual nervous system is like. And then once you understand what your nervous system is, you can get an idea. Most people will see, oh, I don't actually spend a lot of time in this safety where I feel understood and supported and loved and confident. So you can get a sense of where you are. Because if you don't know where you are, then it's hard to get the directions of where you want to go. Right. And then on the flip side, you have to first start with growing your zone of safety or capacity. Because if you don't have experience doing that, then when you're like, oh, I'm ready to leave, I'm ready to let go of these traits. You also have to know where to go. So building up safety, it involves, you know, there's a lot. I mean, there's tons of different things, but it involves getting to know what goes on in your own body, Mm -hmm. slowing things down, breathing, movement, meditation. And then there's things that we can do like all throughout the day. So there's lots of ways to build up your nervous system, but it's not a quick fix. It's something that you just want to slowly be inviting your system to change. And how do people even, if they're totally in like hypo and they they can't get out of this, like I'm a sweater, I'm never going to get better, there's something wrong with me, that mindset, how do they even get to a place where they're like, okay, maybe this, there's something else, maybe... I can try something else. Yeah. In order to access mindset work, you have to be regulated. So the first place is going to start with, okay, let's go back to some of the basics. Because if you're like, I'm sweaty, I'm never going to be able to get out of this. Chances are you're in this activated state. And you can tell that just by the language that someone uses, the intensity, just by like the, the press for speech. So we want to slow everything down. So the first thing we would do 
is we would teach, like I, I go through, I call it the three components. And this is what I shared at the life coach school. The first thing is, okay, let's put a pause here. Put your hand on your chest and tell yourself and look around. Are you safe in your environment? Yes, I'm 100% safe. I've got my camera on. I'm sitting here. I'm just talking to you. Okay, I am safe. I know empirically I'm not in any danger because my nervous system doesn't know that. My nervous system thinks that, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Yeah, I am safe. The next piece is you're going to go into your body and you're going to start noticing what's going on with my body. And most of the time, your body doesn't feel safe. It's like, okay, I know technically I'm safe. I'm sitting in my office. I've got the camera on, but I feel tension in my shoulders. I am sweating a ton. My stomach is in knots. I have a headache. All right. So we know that your body doesn't feel safe. And now what we're going to do, we know that you are safe. Your body doesn't feel safe. We are going to do something to relax your body. And there's tons of techniques, but the two that I go to is one is that rag doll where we're just going to let all that pressure, just let it all hang out, relax, or to do some nice, slow breathing. When we do that, what we do is we calm our whole system down. We're literally shifting from our nervous system state of being sympathetic into parasympathetic. So it's a physiological shift that we're actually making. A body that is relaxed cannot house stress. And when we're relaxed, when we know we're safe, when our body feels safe, when we've slowed things down, we can invite our CEO back in. We can invite our thinking skills back in. Now let's talk mindset. Now let's talk about what are some of the thoughts that would help you. You're probably going to have to keep continuing. Am I safe? Do I feel safe? No. Relax my body. All right. What is the thought that I can have? I'll be thinking, thinking, thinking. I probably get activated again. Just remember, you're totally safe. Just keep relaxing your body. And we keep doing that cycle. We're taking care of the nervous system and we're inviting the thoughts in. Yes, that that's awesome. I remember that was the biggest takeaway that I got when I heard you speak was, am I safe? Do I feel safe? And ever since that, I've I've been using it myself and I use it with my kids. Yeah, all the time. All the time, right? Because there's a huge difference between am I safe Mm -hmm. and do I feel safe? I can talk with my mom about this all the time. You have to have both because. Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't know you're safe, your body won't relax. And it's not meant to relax. If I truly am in danger, I don't want my body to be able to relax. Yeah, I need my body to be able to be activated and to go. But usually what happens is I am safe, but my body doesn't believe it. And we do mix up that not feeling safe. We equate it to that means I'm not safe. No, not feeling safe is different. You actually are safe. 99% of the time we are safe. Unless we're sitting in the middle of a war zone, we're very likely safe. Yes. But most of us don't feel safe. Well, that's very different that we need to take care of both. We have to take care of that cognitive. Yes, I know I'm safe. I've checked it out empirically and then take care of what's going on in my body. And when the two are aligned, now I can start to see some movement. Yes. 
So right now I am doing the advanced training, nervous system resilience. This is for people who want to take a deep dive into their actual nervous system. And I do have coming up in the spring, I have some new offerings. So they're still in, in the midst of things, but I'll be putting those out. So for now, people can listen to my podcast and stay tuned for different ways. I'm trying to find, make it more accessible for a broader range of people to work with me. That is awesome. And would they go to your website? Yeah, they can go to my website, leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com or Instagram, Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. And then of course my podcast is Building Resilience, which is, I talk all about this stuff in detail on the podcast. Yes. And I highly recommend it because I've learned so much just from that alone, your podcast. Our nervous system is constantly scanning for safety and danger, safety, danger. That's one of its main jobs. And it's running everything behind the scenes, but it's also looking out for your survival. If it scans for safety, then it sort of pushes you into a physiological state, which I call the zone of resilience, where you are able to access your thinking skills, you're able to access emotions like compassion and tolerance and your intelligence. And it's just a zone where there's a lot of connection. If your nervous system scans and it interprets that you're in danger, it is going to start to get activated because it it feels like it needs to protect you. And so the first line of protection is going to be activation. It's going to be mobilization, fight or flight. What do I need to do to protect you? In these zones, what happens because it's a survival zone, a protection zone, we end up losing access to our thinking skills and all our thoughts, feelings, and actions are flavored or nuanced with that activation. So you're going to find emotions and energy like anger and aggression and anxiety and busyness and overthinking and ruminating, all those things that have that flavor energy will be in what I call this team hyper state. Sweating. Yeah, sweating. Exactly. (laughs) If you are in team hyper for a long enough period of time, or if the nervous system scans and senses you are in extreme danger, it will go right to a shutdown phase. It will be like, we need to conserve energy. We're not going to make it. We're not going to be able to fight this. We need to shut down. And so it becomes a zone of hypo arousal. So I call it team hypo, where there is more of a collapsed feeling. There is everything slows down. There's less movement. It is a zone of disconnection. It's also a zone of protection. It's trying to take care of you. So you don't have access to your thinking skills there either. And everything is flavored with this sort of apathy, hopelessness, helplessness. It has this energy that is is much lower. So we're always going to be in one of these zones. Now there's mixed zones. We want to get into that too, but things get mixed together. But essentially that's what the nervous system is always doing. Safety, danger, extreme danger. And it assigns you a state. And from that state, everything else follows. And where do we want to be in those zones? So we want to be in that zone of resilience, knowing that, as a human, we will have normal ups and downs. So the health of a nervous system, 
the healthy nervous system does not stay entirely in one zone. Mm-hmm. A healthy nervous system is able to, first of all, have a very wide zone of resilience. So it can tolerate a lot of ups and downs within a healthy state. But if it does get tipped over into dysregulation, it's not the end of the world. We're all going to be activated. We're all going to lose it at some point. We're all going to feel completely collapsed at another point. A healthy nervous system allows us to dip into those states and return to that home state. We can have a lot of ups and downs. We're not worried about getting stuck in dysregulation. We know that we can make our way back down. So a healthy nervous system is flexible, and that's why I call it nervous system resilience, because resilience is really essentially bend and not break, like to be able to fall down and get back up. It is the in and the out. So we want our system to be flexible and to be able to move up and down to peak when it needs to. I'm stressed out. I need activation and to return back down to calmness, safety, and then go the other way too. Sometimes I am going to feel collapsed and low and let down and invisible Mm. and be able to come back up at another point. Yes. Awesome. Great. Thank you. I I mean, what a great way to describe and what a great title for it, the zone of resilience, because it really really is. Resilience is not about being strong and forging through and and not having ups and downs. Resilience is the ability to fall apart and get back up. It's to be living in utter hell right now and still have hope for a brighter future. It's both. Yes. Yeah. And that's part of being human. Really, right. Totally. Yeah. 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 And we can't, we can't escape the human experience. So we might as well roll with it. Yes, exactly. Flow, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Awesome. For people who sweat. So this community, Mm -hmm. why do you think it's so important that they know about the nervous system and the role that it plays? Because I think that obviously when you do sweat more, chances are it is when you are more activated. And so that you just want to be aware. And you also start to be aware of what are the triggers. And triggers are not necessarily external things. It's also, as you probably talk with coaching, it's what's going on in your mind that is triggering this activation. The more we can learn how to live within that zone to be in a much calmer state, the less likely we are to get activated and get stuck and spiral into a situation where we feel like we don't have that control because we're so activated. Yes. And the thing I've also noticed is that there's, and we've talked about this before on a, a previous call about hyperhidrosis, like there's treatments for hyperhidrosis, which is the excessive sweating, but then we get anxious, nervous, embarrassed, have all those emotions and the nervous system reacts to your body doing whatever it is that it's doing. And then you sweat more, right? Because of that. So yeah. So when you're in that, being aware of how your nervous system is reacting when something is just but like hyperhidrosis, the sweating happening from that, that you don't, that it doesn't get worse. Yeah. You yeah. can think of the nervous system as being like the volume control. 
Yeah. That sometimes if we are activated, it's like we're we're blasting the volume. So then all the symptoms, all the characteristics get amplified. While we may not be able to turn the music off, we can certainly turn it down and we can have, and the nervous system controls that dial, whether we're going to amplify or whether we're going to diminish. Yes. Oh, I love that because immediately my mind, like I do really well with pictures. So in my mind, I can visualize. Yeah. And it's so helpful to visualize. Okay. So I am like at a and you can even use it as scale. Right now, I'm probably at like a eight, nine, or ten volume. Yeah. What would it look like if I turned myself down to a five? What would I be doing? And chances are, you would start doing things like, well, I'd probably take a deep breath. I'd probably relax my body. So you start to naturally change your physiology to get yourself down to that level, say four or five, and that's a good visual. And it it will guide you into what your body needs. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And for something that I'm doing right now, I've been, I don't know if you've heard of iontophoresis, but it's a treatment for hyperhidrosis. Okay. Where essentially you put like pads under your armpits and it, I, I won't get into the details. No. <laughs> That's for another podcast. That's for something else. <laughs> but what I'm noticing is it's meant to help with the hyperhidrosis part, but I, mm-hmm. I have the like, cause we're doing this call and I'm nervous. I have the sweating from being nervous, okay. but it's normally if the hyperhidrosis is happening as well as the nervousness, then like my armpits are like dripping yeah. with sweat, yeah. but now they're sweating. What a normal person, well, what a normal person, person. Yeah. It's doing yeah. because of just being anxious. Awesome. Thank you. I think that's awesome. everything. <laughs> awesome. So good. I'm glad. Thank awesome. you so much. Thanks for taking the time. Thank to you. Talk. No problem. It was great. It was great connecting. Yes. All thank right. you. Take care. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback helps us improve and reach more people who can benefit from our content.